1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Take the Black Live, the only show on the internet that dares to discuss things like, you know, dragons, Star Wars, space lasers, Game of Thrones, books, movies, TV, such things as this. I am Dan Selke, editor of WinnersComing.net, here with Mia Johnson of DorkstoneOfTheForce.com. Mia, how are you? How has your last seven days of your life been?
2: Oh my goodness, the last seven days. It's been pretty fun. I know we had a lot of stuff to talk about, which I've been really excited for. But hey, it's snowing. I'm almost, you know, it's almost time for the holidays, so I'm quite excited to <laughs> wind down, you know, the end of this year.
1: It is. And although as 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 always it seems, there's never a lack of stuff going on. You're right, there was a lot to talk about this week. At the end of last week, it's always the end of the week, which I find suspicious, frankly, because it's like, what are you trying to hide? <laughs> They dumped a ton of news, they being Disney, they being HBO, um, in a variety of mediums. And we're going to talk about a lot of it today. And I'm going to try to get you guys' comments up there if you're watching. (laughs) Um, Starting with some of the big stuff. So I believe it was literally Friday, um, which again is like the weird Friday afternoon news slot of death, Um, but they still put this in here. Um, HBO announced, made it official, uh, several casting announcements for House of the Dragon, the HBO Game of Thrones prequel series set 100 plus years before the show. We talked about this before. We talked about um, there was a rumor that Matt Doctor Who Smith might be playing (laughs) uh, Daemon Targaryen, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. confirmed. And I mean, that inspired a lot of discussion and it ends up. Long story short, it's happening. Matt Smith is Damon Targaryen, who is a very pants literally because he's a a dragon, take no prisoners, loves sex and violence, kind <laughs> of um, wild child of a character. Mia, yes. How do you find this? Uh, oh news? my gosh! Are, are, like, is this exciting you as a Doctor Who because I know that you are a fan of I think Matt Smith, like specifically you are into his doctor.
2: Yeah, Matt Smith and uh, David Tennant are like my top two. So it's exciting. I am kind of, I expressed this before. I was like, if they were to have like a, you know, quote unquote big name in this, I think Mm. he's the guy for it. You know, he's not so huge that it might feel distracting or anything like that. I think he's quite perfect for the series now as you were telling me about the character i had some reservations cuz matt smith is a nice guy he don't nobody. hurt nobody <laughs> well, so wait, what's he, up he, with he, the character well like are, are you
1: sure you're saying that he don't hurt nobody or is t- does the 11th doctor not not okay.
2: like
1: do no harm kind of thing
2: yeah maybe
1: like i, I, like, I, I i'm I, I, I'm serious. Like, is that part of it? Or do you think just he's not the right person because of his abilities?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I have to give him credit. He is a great actor. So it's not that I doubt, actor. you know, that he, he you know, couldn't pull it off or anything. Which, you know, I, I as I talk about it, I'm like, oh, I might be pleasantly surprised with his performance. Um, but yeah, it's it's more of just my first reaction when I see him. It's like, oh, I don't see a bad guy or I don't see you know, someone who can maybe be menacing or terrorizing. But again, you know, we, you'll never know until you find out. Hey, the Brits are really good at that, by the way, being villains. So, you know, I might have to cut him some slack. That's true. I
1: mean, I think he's a talented actor. I mean, I've seen him in uh, Doctor Who, obviously. He was good as kind of a lower grade uh, asshole on the crown. Again, he (laughs) played um, the king consort, prince, whatever his name is. I want to say Philip. Um, And he was a jerk. Now, there is, like, a level above when you go from, like, being a jerk to your wife and your kids a bit to being a guy who, like, goes around stabbing folks from the Dragonback mm-hmm. and stuff. It's a level <laughs> up. But I'm not mad at it. I- I- I'm not. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. I think he could pull it off nicely, and I'm okay with it. I also will say there were a lot of people on Twitter, like, saying he's not handsome enough oh, for no. the role. <laughs> And that I didn't like, like that seemed inappropriate to me. Just like, that's not really what the role is. I mean, the role is like, you're passionate, you're powerful, you're uh, possessed of a certain verve, but all the folk. And again, it's just some, it's not everybody, but like all the folks saying that he's not good looking enough, I thought was missing the point and maybe a bit indecorous.
2: Yeah. I, you know i i like I, I don't know the story so i can't speak to everything about that character but yeah i don't it's if you know being ridiculously good looking or something like that isn't a part of his character description I'm not really sure what how that fits and I mean at the end of the day we're all beautiful on the inside so that's what really matters if we're going the outside, think of- so,
1: I mean look are we going <laughs> to act like Matt Spitz isn't an attractive man like are we going to do that are we going to like lie to ourselves in the world and say that I don't think we have to
2: he's one of those like unconventionally you know kind of like a Mads Mikkelsen type like well if you look at him this way or Rufus Sewell as well we, we are all unique on this planet.
1: <laughs> Rufus, Sewell. Rufus Sewell is a good looking guy. Okay. I mean, so we'll have a discussion later. <laughs> Matt Bickelson. Yeah, he's a little creepy looking. But see, no, I'm doing it. Like, I get it. I, I get the instinct to kind of go at, at, at the looks and talk about it. But I, I do think there's more to the role than that. I'm looking yeah, forward to it. That's
2: besides the point.
1: We also got um, Emma de Arcee, not sure how to say that, as Rhaenyra Targaryen, an extremely important part of this story. So I don't know much about her at all. Emma Darcy. Apparently she's been Mm. in some like East Ender, uh, other stuff. She's younger. This is the Targaryen princess who is kind of on one side of the dance of the dragons, the war that's going to rage at this whole show. Damon, Matt is her uncle. They're in a relationship. Of course they are. It's Targaryen thing. That'll be a good time. Um, She's a, she's maybe like the main character of the show. She's, Wants the throne, she's very insistent on it, she's very take no prisoners, very I'm going to get it and I don't want, no one's going to stand in my way about it. Willful, fierce, powerful, intelligent, beautiful, all those great things. Um, It's a good character. And um, I don't really know much about the actress, so all I can say is good luck.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, same here.
1: All right, pretty much. If any of you have opinions on Matt Smith or Emma Darcy, anybody else on there, feel free to let us know and we'll get back at you. Finally, we got uh, Olivia Cook, who is a little bit more well-known as Allison Hightower. She's kind of the person on the other side. I've explained this enough times now that I feel like maybe (laughs) you could say it back to me, but I'll do it one more time. The Dance of the Dragons is uh, Rhaenyra's father, the king, Viserys Targaryen, dies. And then Rhaenyra, his daughter, is his heir or at least that's what she thinks. Um, And she (laughs) claims her throne, you know, like it's my throne. I'm his heir. I'm the king's heir and the king died. But then Allison Hightower, Olivia Cook's character is the king's second wife after Rhaenyra's mother dies. Innocently, by the way, it's not like a murder thing or anything, just like, you know, it happens sometimes, whatever. Um, And she wants her son, her younger son by the king, Aegon II to be the king. So it's basically Rhaenyra Targaryen versus her half brother, and really, Allison's kind of the power behind the throne in that way. So that's like the basic conflict. And we have three of the big players here. Again, Olivia Cook looks the part very nicely. Allison Hightower. W- w- basically, b- what I mean, like she's brunette. It's basically <laughs> all we got there so far. Another great character, though. Like these are she's a royal schemer. She's a kind of, um, you know, plays the courtly games, kind of like a Marjorie ish type but a little meaner.
2: <laughs> Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. And it's, it is nice to finally start to have some faces to put to these names as well. Um, very much so. It'll help at least for me.
1: We <laughs> got some comments by the way. Um, Hey Jen, uh, good to see ya. Uh, lost my badge. Is that the badge that you got for more information on the badge? Was that from the wick club? I'm sure we can get you more of that. Jen, just let me know specifically what you lost. And I am sure we can, replenish it I mean, if we can't i'm sorry in advance but yeah um it looks like a good cast so far i mean and there are parts of me that that, that, that are a little hesitant about it some like i'm thinking like and why are Rhaenyra and allison so young looking because they're a little older in you know
2: okay i was gonna ask about i was like they look young and not to be like i know everything but you know talking about so allison hightower you said is the The second wife.
1: I mean, she's a lot younger. It's one of those like May, December things, but she's still (laughs) old enough to have like a son, like a teenage son.
2: Yeah, like Olivia
1: cook is like in her late 20s. I mean, it it is possible that because this story does span quite a few. It's possible they're going to like start in the early going and then work up to later things and replace them or something. But then again, like Matt Smith is Damon right out of the gate, which I'm not sure about that. It's also possible they could do the thing where they, like, flash back. That's possible, too, which I hope they don't. I'm kind of getting tired of that device being used. <laughs> or maybe they're just going to um, have them, like, start out playing younger and then play older as it goes on. You could do that. I yeah. mean, actually, I mean, the crown uh, itself, like Matt Smith and everyone on that show, um, who played... Uh, Claire Foy played the queen, right? And she, like, took her from... She like became queen at like 22 or whatever it was and then took her through like late 30s um, mm-hmm. at the end of that season. So that can happen because the show does span some years. It's basically like there's a whole lot that happens before the war, like 20 years of history. And then the war itself is like three years of craziness. Um, <laughs> so they'll have to manage that. But I'm looking forward to seeing how they'll do it. And again, too yeah. easy. Although that, that you're right. It, it does give me a little bit of pause because like I hope you know what you're doing.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: But until I know more, I'm going to just assume the best.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see where, you know, we, we drop it on the action, like where in the timeline we start. Yeah.
1: I mean, maybe you could do flashbacks on this because it's uh, I mean, it, it I hesitate to say it because I really don't like there's been a lot of shows recently, like The Witcher and The Stand we'll talk about a little later, where they do a thing where like they start in the middle and like flashback. And I'm like, please don't do that. Mm. I just don't like the story. <laughs> But, I mean, there are some times when that's okay, because, like, it's, the action is all here, but there's stuff that happened back here that you do have to, like, get familiar with to understand it, but you don't need to, like, start there, because it would be really boring for, like, a full season. <laughs> so, it, yeah. it's not completely easy, but it's fine. By the way, hello, Iyanifa. Good to meet you. Um, you got any opinions on any of the casting? Let us know. I'll also mention, it's interesting, that uh, the director lineup, how many years does the story span? Well, the the war itself is, I think, three years. And then there's like events that set it up going back like at least like 20 or so. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of, you know, Alicent and Rhaenyra, they don't just like there's a long buildup of them kind of growing to dislike each other and having <laughs> okay. this kind of great enmity that explodes into war. You have like relationships that Rhaenyra is in, like Kristen Cole, the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard she's with for a while and. She dumps him and then what might be the reason he switched to the other side and fights for Allison? It's a whole thing. There are there's and there's like and King Viserys has a reign like he reigns as king for a while and he's like kind of a a weakish kind of a more a friendlier guy. But then the people who (laughs) are more uh, fiery. So there is a lot of backstory and I'm not sure where they'll start it or how far back they'll go. But they're going to need to explain something. I liked oh, yeah. Game of Thrones' policy, though, of basically no flashbacks ever. I really did like that a lot. Like they committed to just if there was something to know, we'll talk about it, and we're just gonna tell it straightforward. So I, I I admire that, and um, I wish more folk because I feel like flashbacks are too much, are like are like a crutch sometimes for people.
2: Maybe so. I don't think I am tired of the use of flashback. Um. Yeah, I, no, I don't think I have too many arguments against it. But if you think it would make this a uh, stronger show, then I, you know, I, I can support that for sure. <laughs>
1: you might need them for this particular one, but we'll see. Also, yeah. I'll note that interestingly, um, they the director lineup, we got Game of Thrones guy, Miguel Sapochnik. He's a great one. He did like the Battle of the Bastards. He's, a, he's like the Game of Thrones director to go to. Uh, Claire Kiln movies, Gita Patel was a Witcher director, and Greg Thomas, I think, made the Dune show for sci-fi back in the day. Oh. <laughs> one interesting note is that there are four directors there. Two of them are women, which is officially means House of the Dragon already has more female directors than Game of Thrones did in its entire runtime.
2: Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it had one. There was one for the director <gasps> on Game of Thrones. And I mean... And I'm pretty sure that's purposeful, right? Like, it got flack for that later in its year. So I imagine they're like, we have to get yeah. more behind the camera if we're going to have this show.
2: Yeah, well, good for them for finally keeping up.
1: Keep it up. A lot changed during Game of Thrones run, man. It was, yeah, um, it
2: <laughs> yeah spanned, that's true.
1: It spanned eight years of a, a changing TV landscape. Anyway, and, and there's more to talk about. There's like other casting rumors that are going around, but that's what we know for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they say it's going to be taken off in about a few months shooting. So we will have more updates for you. I have no doubt. As Jen says, I I like Flashback mainly if it's fitting for the story, which I agree with completely. Yeah, if it works, I'm great with it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've watched too many shows recently where they're just like playing with time for no good reason. And it's starting to irritate me. I hope that doesn't happen. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I like it when it's used very strategically, especially maybe like pull off a surprise or, you know, you're finding out that like this is such and such character or this is that huge reveal that everyone's been talking about. Yeah. Yeah,
1: no problem with that. And by the way, if you'd like to hear our ramblings in podcast, we are available on iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available. All right. So that's House of the Dragon. Definitely good stuff. Exciting stuff. Looking forward to seeing what happens with it. OK, like before that, I think, I think the day before that, Disney had this giant investor conference where they revealed approximately 30 kajillion new shows and movies coming to Disney Plus, coming to movie theaters. We're not going to go over all of them, but this was some big stuff. I thought it was worth going over the highlights. So mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just I'll kick us off here. And I'd like to hear your guys opinions on this, too. So they promised 10 more Star Wars shows and 10 more Marvel shows over the next few years. Few years. Yeah. And we're getting stuff like on the Marvel side like WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If?, Ms. Marvel, Hawkeye, she hooked Moon Knight, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Armor Wars. And then on Star Wars we're getting an Ahsoka Tano show, long, a show called Rangers of the New Republic. So I think it's about like the guys who pulled Mando over, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's like it, it's, it's their story. Uh, the Acolyte, whatever that is. A show about Lando Calrissian. <laughs> we got a show called Visions. A show called Droid Story. And this is already on top of like a show about Cassian Andor. A show about Obi-Wan Kenobi, which will star uh, Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader back in it. We got wow. The Bad Batch. And of course, more of The Mandalorian. Patty Jenkins is making a Rogue Squadron movie about flying shoot, shoot, shoot. And Taiko Waititi doing something too. Mia, this was a lot of news. Did anything stand out to you from this yeah. avalanche of content?
2: Yeah. Why don't we get on that Hayden Christensen news first? Because I thought that was that's, really big.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Way, some so comments. I just didn't. Uh, oh, Sorry. Go ahead.
2: All right. Yeah. So this series is um is an interesting series. So it takes place ten years. Um, Gosh, after episode 3, so this is kind of like after <laughs> after he has his, you know, the battle dual fates on Mustafar and Anakin goes up in flames and he's Darth Vader now. So it's kind of like we we're in between, you know, episode 3 and 4 and seeing, you know, how the empire has grown in 10 years. So that should be really interesting because we haven't seen Hayden Christensen as like Darth Vader uh, you know, there was the end scene in episode three and then they do have, you know, a little bit of Clone Wars or I think Rebels, but that's not really Hayden Christensen. It's not his voice. So this is going to be awesome to see right. the two pack together again and in some capacity because still, I think there's a gap between when they see each other in episode three and in episode four, like, you know, when sure. old, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi ages up about 25 years. <laughs>
1: Well, so so Kevin points out something that I think will be a sticking point. He was terrible as Anakin. Like, uh, and I'm sure that's debatable, Kevin. Uh, I know lots of folk agree with you. (laughs) But, I mean, part of the thing here is those old movies, the prequels, still have a bad reputation in some quarters. And some quarters have been rehabilitated. But um, there are still a lot of Star Wars fans who kind of think that that performance was maybe not worth reviving. But others who are really excited... Personally, as someone who, like, kind of enjoyed Star Wars and never really got, like, super deep into it, um, this, I think this is cool. I think it's cool to bring back that somebody. And I'd also wonder what he might be able to do if um, he's given some better material. Better. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm trying not to say it in a mean way. No,
2: it's fine. Yeah. Episode like
1: two. more, 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 more actor sensitive direction. There we go. I'll do that. <laughs> Maybe yeah, a more totally. um, pronounceable script.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, with this direction, he can do better. Episode three, I didn't have a problem with him. Episode two, I think, was kind of awkward. The script was awkward. The scenes were awkward. So I think, I really hope in some way that this will de- be a redemption for him. So I'm really excited for that.
1: Um, uh, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. By the way, are we joined by a guest?
2: Um, not currently. We have a guest lined up. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Um, we'll anyway, yeah, I mean, this, also, this also tells you just how committed they are to expanding the Star Wars universe into this, like a real universe. Yeah. Like, that's 10 programs, not counting movies that are coming. Yeah. And it was only like just over a year and a half ago, there were zero Star Wars shows in existence. And then a few years, there will be double digits. I mean, I, 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 I guess the, the obvious question here is, is this overkill or is this giving the people what they want? Do we want a Lando yeah. show and an Obi-Wan <laughs> show and a Cast Andor show and the Acolyte set 100 years before yeah. and um, a droid story where C-3PO is getting into misadventures and so on and so forth? Or are we like please stop like we would this once every once in a while is good enough
2: yeah you know on paper it sounds like a lot and i'll bring in the marvel example too because they're basically okay. in the same
1: boat not on paper it's also a lot it's a lot no matter how you slide no
2: it. no no. okay well i'll explain because as i i you know as we've been talking about this i'm like oh my goodness that's just an avalanche of show and it's this <sighs> and it's that but as i was watching those trailers i was just like absolutely so freaked out mm-hmm. i was like I was like a simp for Marvel all over again. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh, this is really bad. I still like these things a lot. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to criticize and be like, Oh, this is just too much when, you know, at the same time I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait for, you know, maybe not every single one of these shows, maybe every single one of these shows, but, um, (laughs) yeah, from the fans perspective, at least I am, you know, 110% ready for this stuff.
1: Very cool. I mean, yeah, I, I I always feel like I'm saying like I'm worried it's too much, but Disney hasn't really given me much of a reason, at least on the TV side to be that worried. Yeah. Um, so basically until it starts failing, I'm optimistic about it. And yeah. speaking of Marvel, which is a place where I think pretty much universally they've done great work, even if there are, you know, grouches like me who will wonder about the economics of it all and blah, 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 blah. Um, They have all these shows coming Which ones are or one are you most excited for? Oh my gosh. Okay, so.
2: Yeah, at first it was Wandavision, right? We had had a trailer for that before and we've discussed it. When they debuted that Loki trailer, though, I absolutely lost my mind. I was like, I need this today. I think it's coming out in May. I just wasn't, there was something like really. I don't know, really exciting about the trailer. You know, we, you're, you start off kind of like in Avengers Endgame where you see Loki and he's going off yeah, his new timeline. And you kind of see what they want him to do now that he's escaped, like Owen Wilson was in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, so that tells you they're going
1: for some comedy. Like, it's not going to be as if we thought it was going to be a serious thing. Like, no, yeah. they're going to go for a light
2: yeah. touch. Yeah, he, that he that had, wonderful like serious... Marvel
1: in-between thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They they have that that good touch. And um, I think personally, it's like I think Loki is my favorite character, like in the whole MCU. So I kind of have that bias Ooh. anyway. But um, I would say compared to like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer, I wasn't like overly impressed with that. I wasn't blown away. It just kind of looked like a buddy cop series buddy. and totally buddy comedy. Yeah, I and, mean, yeah.
1: I like that a lot of them seem to have different tones. Like, WandaVision is, you know, off-the-wall sitcom, whatever it is, sitcom, explosion, uh, mind-bendy, you know, mind exp- uh, blow up kind of twisty thing. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier is like a 70s era parallax view spy thriller buddy cop comedy. And then Loki is, seems to be more of like a, like a time travel like comedy a high, thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: it's 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 good that they're that p- 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 they're not going to give us like the same thing over and over again, which will definitely keep things varied. But can they do that for all ten shows? That's going to be the question in the long term. Yeah, I also yeah. feel like the Marvel stuff sits a little easier than the Star Wars stuff, I guess because what we're seeing is basically a TV version of what Marvel already does in comics. I mean, like this is comics, right? It's like yeah. eighteen thousand titles all running concurrently, different stories that kind of connect at different points, all with their own tones, different authors. Like, that's what comics are. Mm -hmm. And it's not that hard to transmute it to TV once you have the resources. Whereas Star Wars, like, they kind of have to make it up. Like, I don't know how different the Ahsoka show will be from the Cassian Andor show, will be from the Lando show, will be from so on and so forth. Yeah. But it looks like they're making an effort to get these Marvel things feel different, and they have like the source material there for them. So oh, yeah. I predict yeah. more success for that, but I'm excited for both, if a little preemptively exhausted over how much I might have to watch.
2: Yeah, as long as they're rolling it out nice and slow. I did say, like, because coronavirus, like, we didn't have any Marvel mm-hmm. stuff. So now it's like. You know, you didn't get any Marvel this year, but wait till we slam it on you next year and the years uh, after that, which, yeah, we'll see how I feel at, you know, come the end of like maybe 2022, 20,
1: 23. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when we're old and gray and these things are yeah. all finally out. Anything else from the conference stand out to you? Like, because it wasn't just Marvel and Star Wars, but it was most of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who who? Who who wants a Beauty and the Beast show about Gaston and LeFou, Huh? Who's, who's on board for that? Oh yeah,
2: sign me up. No, I am. How about let's Chris see.
1: Evans as the real Buzz Lightyear?
2: Yeah, that was interesting. I guess, not yeah. enough to make me be like, oh my goodness, I can't wait. I thought they were done with Toy Story. Um, so the fact that they're not, even though it's a spinoff, I'm like, eh. I was excited about the Princess Tiana thing though, because she hasn't had like a sequel mm-hmm. or anything like that. They're gonna give her like a a mini series or something. I hope it's just as good as the. Um, you know, the actual movie, because when they start mm. doing Disney Channel stuff or Disney XD, it gets a little goofy and, and all that. But, um, yeah, they've got a full lineup, and I guess I'm pretty yeah, fairly excited. How about
1: Disney Plus raising the price by a dollar? Yeah. and they the end, Didn't you, Disney?
2: They did. I didn't turn off the presentation I had on in the background, and then they switched to the other person. She's like, oh, yeah. And one more thing. Um, it's now seven ninety nine because we've got all this stuff coming out. <laughs> <Goodbye>. Yeah. <Let's
1: laughs> Waited for the very <laughs> which, end. For that, I, we put that in the you. boring financial yeah. uh, forecast segment, so no one would watch yeah. it. Very clever, Disney.
2: <laughs> yeah, they really we buried that one. That's why I paid my three years in advance, so none of that really affects me up until the the end of my three years is over.
1: I mean, they're they've been so successful. I'm sure they can get away with it. It's still, I think, the yeah. lowest um, thing there. And before we move on to our next and final topic, let's read a couple of comments here that have come in about other topics. And the same. Um, Yanifa said about House of the Dragon, 20 years need flashbacks and foreshadowing, which, yeah, I agree with. I'm sure that they will start. They can't start right at the war. That wouldn't. I hope they don't. Anyway, I hope they build up to a bit. You you can't be afraid to build up. I'll say that. Like it's HBO. I think they wouldn't. But there are some shows that just like they think if you don't give them action thing right at the start, like it, 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 you're not gonna watch. I just hope they have the confidence to let it build and explode in the first season. Game of Thrones was great because it had it. It, it, it knew it had brand finding royal siblings having sex and they're getting pushed out a window to end the premiere. It's like, <laughs> oh, we can end on that. That's gonna hook them. Yeah, and it, it might be a little hard to find that hook, but they can do it, and they don't need to result to dumb, time wonky stuff. Um, I also got Kevin saying, okay, the worst casting was them hiring Walder Frey's daughter to play Renera Targaryen. Did she play Walder Frey's daughter? Emma Darcy? I actually didn't know that. I'll look that up a little later. And finally, a comment right into our next topic. Jen says, I cannot wait to see this new stand I've seen the series and read the big, thick book. Someone else has read the big, thick book is Natalie Zamora, who is going to join us, talk about the stand coming tomorrow to cbs all access an adaptation of stephen king's iconic 1978 book about a plague that wipes out over 99 percent of the population which feels awfully trenchant right about now natalie you and i have watched um the first four episodes i think they gave us so i'll just uh, by the way natalie um who are you and what do you do here at fans <laughs>
3: Hey, everyone. My name is Natalie Zamora, and I'm the managing editor for the entertainment division of Fansided. So I'm excited to be here. And yes, I did. I watched the first three episodes, not the fourth one yet. Um, okay. And I will say, I think I want to like it more than I do so far.
1: I'm very much with you. I, yeah. I know where you're coming from. <laughs> okay. First, I want to I bring up a, a, an obvious observation. Yeah. When I was watching this and I was seeing scenes of like people overcrowding hospitals and put wearing masks and like prisons getting infected with this virus. OK, I was physically stressed out, like watching this and just, you know, like not being able to shut off the very obvious associations. Was that just me or, or were you feeling some of that, too?
3: Yeah, definitely. Definitely like the overcrowded hospitals, like you said. And it's weird Mm -hmm. because I'm like torn. Like part of me wants, like I see the potential for the show to be like more horror and more dark. But at the same time, if they do that, it would be like tone deaf in this climate. So like, it's too real. I wish this came out like last year or something like that, Um, because it has potential to be like really upsetting and really dark. And I don't think it is so far. But yeah, at the same time, we don't really need that right now. So
1: I mean, like there was part of me that was like, maybe they shouldn't show this right now (laughs) just because I mean, and I didn't know. That, that I was going to feel that way. I mean, we've all been watching the news. We've all been like, we've all lived 2020 and just, I wasn't, I, I didn't realize how directly that would tap into my being uncomfortable, but it definitely did. I mean, we can't talk specifics, we can talk in general. Mm-hmm. Th- there were a couple of parts that spooked me. I'm thinking of the second episode with um, uh, Frank Underwood's little adventure that I won't say much about, but you were not been too scared by this so far.
3: Not so far, but I'm definitely not someone who scares easily. So that might just be me. Mm. Um, I think that it has like some spooky undertones with, you know, yeah. one character. Um not going to give any spoilers, but there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we can say. We can to, uh, I, I, I think Star- a bit Star- about
1: like, you know, <laughs> it is um, a 42 year old book.
3: Right. Um, right. <laughs>
1: Alexander Skarsgård plays kind of the big evil man, Randall Flagg, which I think is pretty good. He's like a, a quiet, menacing presence, not like overdoing it too much. I like him.
3: Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Eric Northman in True Blood, like the same kind of like he's like <laughs> supposed to be like sexy and like drawing you in. But he's also like kind of evil. Um, I think Randall Flagg is way more evil, but I get the same vibe.
1: Because you're reading the book right now. Like, how does it compare, do you think, to the book? Like, are you, I guess, A, did you enjoy the book? And B, is the series kind of um, living up to what you read?
3: So I'm about 500 pages into the book right now, which has taken me weeks. One. Yeah, it's taken me weeks. And I will tell you, the first episode went past where I am like right in the beginning, because they changed like the way the timeline is. Um, I think yeah, that's I like, you. like the biggest the biggest change I've noticed from the book to the show is that the sh- the book is just like totally linear, like it goes in order. But then the show is mostly flashbacks. Um, so I like the linear storytelling better, just because there's so many characters that they have to introduce that I think doing the flashbacks is a little bit confusing. And the way that it starts, like, the stakes are not that high because yes. they're, like, the people are okay. I'm not trying not to spoil it. But, like, the stakes aren't as high because you're not going with them throughout the journey um, to start with. You just see it through flashbacks. So
1: Yeah, like, you know kind of who's going to survive the journey yeah. or who's not because, like, they start – I mean, I was telling you this. This thing, it starts – in the middle of the story kind and then goes back. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. I like the second I found that out, I was like, why? <laughs> like, why would you do this? Like this has one of Stephen King's kind of best starts to a book. I think he's done. And, and he's written a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just, it's a strong beginning. Like, we're all going to die, which again has the other problem of, but now we have to watch this yeah. now. I guess the show is kind of, it's just not a good show for the time for the show to be coming out, no matter what it is. <laughs> but I, I, I do wish, I I, 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 I I think better for my immersion and my enjoyment, I, I wish they had just done it straightforward. Like I watched, I went back and watched like the opening to the 94 version oh. with Gary Sinise and Molly Ringwald. <laughs> Um, and the opening is so good. It like, it has the soldier, like who spreads the disease, like running into his, like kind of on the base home, grabbing his wife and kids and we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And then like driving off and then you just go inside the base and everyone's dead. And it's like, oh, I immediately get it. Something bad happened. He's trying to get away. But here it's like they start way in the middle. They're already kind of in their little civilizational, uh, the, the enclave and then like the guy like drop the guy who's trying to get away, like drives a car into a light pole at one point. And I'm like, is that supposed to be the guy? Is that him? Is he the one get away? Yeah. I just didn't see the point. Like the showrunner was saying like, Oh, I did it because you know what? This show isn't really about a pandemic. It's about good and evil. I'm like, dude, it's about a pandemic. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I know you wish it wasn't, but
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trying to make up for the fact <laughs> Yeah I don't know I mean the the thing is though like it's such a good story and they have a handful of really great actors like so far there have been a few really great performances so I think it's going to be tough to completely screw it up I don't think it's going to end up being super bad or anything like that like I would still recommend episodes I've watched but it had way more potential at least so far.
1: I think we have to pause to read some comments, by the way, because they're going disappearing. Oh, no. it's good yeah, they're
2: flying. <laughs> Jen.
1: Jen is very much into Alexander Skarsgård as Randall Flagg. And in general, I'm getting which is great. Um, <laughs> Stan was his best book, says Kevin Cryan. <laughs> Jen says, moon spells run. Yes, it does indeed. Moon spells most everything when you get to that guy. And I agree with you, by the way, I, I like a lot of the actors and, and I, I am into it. Like a four episode, yeah. I want to see what happens next. Like the first episode was kind of like a bit of a to me, but the second one had me. And I really did like um I don't know his name, but the mean prison guard from Orange is the new black as um Nick Andros's companion, open well, companion. He was very uh kind of likable. And the show is starting to ramp up by episode four. I want to watch more, but I, I agree with you. It does, I just don't get the, the decision to do it this way. It seems like you're kind of cutting yourself off at the knees. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I agree with you. I know you had told me that you thought the second and third episode, and probably I guess now the fourth, were better than the first. And I agree. The first one, I was like, damn, like I didn't really like that, but I'm going to keep watching more because obviously. Um, I still, yeah, I'm, I'm super into it, but, yeah, I think the timelines really did throw me off, and then it's hard to say like what is really important and what's not. Like, I think as someone yes. who isn't reading the book, would just be like, what is going on? You just shove so much information into my face.
1: So, Mia, as a, an outside perspective, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here in our discussion, d- does this make you want to watch the series, avoid the series?
2: Um. You know, I'm in the middle ground. The last thing that Natalie said sounds so typical Stephen King. My dad reads a lot of the Stephen King books we so he tells me about. It, and he's like, Stephen King will just go on for pages describing something that has no use. So you're just kind of like, get to the point. <laughs> um, and so I feel like that's the your job as a director or the show creators to, you know, take all that junk and just condense it down into, you know, the best stuff. Um, so if they are doing that, that's a little questionable to me. And then it's the the whole criticism you guys have about the sequence of the storytelling is also a little concerning to me because that's you're right. You want to be able to follow the action in an exciting way. And if it's not building up in that way, you know, it's like, what's the point? Why are we here? Um, even if it is kind of an, an intriguing story. So, yeah, the pandemic storyline does have me a little freaked out as well. <laughs> so maybe yeah, I'll be able I, to, I wouldn't blame yeah. you.
1: It sounds like Jen's going to watch it, definitely. I mean, <laughs> it reminded me of The Witcher a little bit, I don't know if you see that, where there was another show where they were just like, why don't we like, tell three stories different in time all next each other, and not tell you what's going on? I'm like, why? Why are you trying? Don't you want us to watch it and like, yeah. get it? Don't you want that? Why do you do this to yourself and your story is what I feel like. But to be fair, this isn't nearly as bad as that. I'm gonna keep watching. I'm curious. Yeah. I like it. I, I just want to put out a, a, a general plea to any filmmakers who happen to be watching. Just please tell your story start to finish. Like it's, it shouldn't be that hard. Like yeah. it, exceptions for maybe very stuff. Um, and, and as I just been informed, the first episode written directed by Josh Boone, who directed the the new mutants. Mm-hmm. Good mutants, for yeah. you, Josh Boone. I still like you, even if you. <laughs> are trying to hurt my brain with time. (laughs) Natalie, any other thoughts on The Stand before it premieres tomorrow on CBS All Access?
2: (laughs) Definitely
3: check it out. Uh, Like I said, the story and the acting is worth checking out. So I still recommend it.
1: Yeah, I do too. I am liking it. I just like to complain more. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, finally, me and Natalie both, you both watched the last episode of The Mandalorian uh, the Believer, right? You know, that's what it was called.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, starring Bill Burr as Comic Relief.
2: Makes Mia me feel, yeah, yeah. that's right.
1: Oh, yeah. We finally <laughs> saw the another... guy, Mando, uh, with his helmet yeah. off for a long period yeah. of time. Oh, and yeah. yeah. He's under there and trims his mustache. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's right, with his, you know, Mando Mm -hmm. tweezers. But yeah, this was an exciting episode because they always kind of take you to someplace different. You're going to do something Mm -hmm. exciting. This one, when it was building up, I was kind of like, all right, where are we going with this? I liked uh, Bill Burr's character, Mayfield, because he was really great in the season one, like, Prisoner episode. Um, And so bringing him back, you know, I was thinking about this. I was like, I feel like we kind of almost had that episode where you can talk things through or at least Mayfeld was trying to get mando to talk things things through like what do you believe in why are you doing this what are your motives it was, it was like a
1: brick wall though
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a it, it, i mean it's just a great um
1: classic tv pairing like pair of motor mouth with someone who never talks at all yeah you can't yeah. go wrong and they did not go wrong
2: yeah i think yeah, i made mando question you know everything he knows and i was like this is really like this In this series, he's seen two Mandalorians take their helmets off and kind of Cobb Vanth until he found out that that was a whole sham. But, you know, his whole world is being turned upside down. The Empire is still running rampant and stuff like that. And Baby Yoda is missing or Grogu or, you know, uh, some people yelled in the Facebook comments uh, a couple weeks ago because I still said Baby Yoda. And then some (laughs) other people were like, but it just the episode just aired and we don't want to spoil it. And I was like, I'm just going to stay out of this. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's hard to shake a nickname once you have it, but um, we'll, we'll see if they can manage. Um, how about you, Natalie? What did you think of this one?
3: Yeah, I really liked it. I thought, I'm so sad that it's almost over, but I thought, yeah, yeah it was really cool. interesting just to see um, his inner struggle, Mandalorian's inner, inner struggle. And, you know, yeah, he was called out just basically yeah. like, why are you doing this? And you'll break the rules if it's convenient for you or if it's whatever, if it's to save Grogu. <laughs> Um, And I was like, damn, you're right. Like, I thought it was um, a really good, I think, just character development for Mando.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's interesting that, I mean, the the innovation of the show was to have a character where you never saw his face at all. And, like, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would say, or, like, producers who would say, like, how will we know what is feeling? Like, we, Mm -hmm. we, we can't have that. We'll never get to know him. And they've done a really good job of having him go through growth even though we literally never see the things that we humans are like designed to look at, to know (laughs) how you're feeling, which is pretty impressive. I think they have had him go on, uh, go on a journey. And I liked that scene where they were sitting down with, um, uh, the the commander or whatever he was, who by the way, played the night King on game of Thrones. Um,
3: his name was really familiar.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He kind of gave them his opinion on, well, the ends justify the means, the empires for the good, everything for the greater good. And it was very creepy. And I kind of got my billboard shot him. Um So, yeah, I'd agree. A very like not the most explosive episode, but definitely one to remember for how it pushes not just the plot, but the characters forward and really isn't what the show is about.
2: Yeah. So we've got this Friday is the season finale, which, yeah, like Natalie yeah. said, it's like, how do we get here? And um, we still have to see, like, is a Jedi going to come and save the child? Are they going to, like... I I really don't know if the whole save baby Yoda thing is going to be successful by the end. Um, It could be, though, because in in the last season, they kind of had, like, a resolution, you know, with... They were, like, they thought they defeated Moff Gideon. They thought everyone was free. And then, to an extent, they were. Um, So, we might... I might actually enjoy something where you have a resolution, but like a tiny little plot thread where it's like, but wait, you know, there will be more. It could be the Jedi finally coming for little the child.
1: <laughs> I sort of hope because, um, uh, like, a lot of this season, in retrospect, seems like a series of backdoor pilots for other Star Wars shows, like <laughs> *Rangers of the New Republic*. It gives you that show, idea. <laughs> um, a working brain. Um, I sort of hope that for the finale that they stick to like the original cast (laughs) and just have it be a more Mandalorian focused one Mm because we sort of had our setup party. I I want to kind of use pieces they had, but I I agree that I mean, I like that I'm not sure that they're going to rescue baby Yoda Grogu child because that would be the obvious thing to do. But this show has swerved a couple of times and to be bold of them to do it again. So whatever happens, looking forward to it.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm excited. The next, next week they announced they're going to do another Disney gallery, The Mandalorian, where they go behind the scenes Naturally, and they show yeah, you all that stuff. So you. nice little Christmas gift.
1: <laughs> Indeed. And we Get have plenty of other TV to watch after that. We got The Stand. We got The Expanse just aired. So there's plenty of us occupied while we go into the Christmas break. Natalie, thanks for coming by Take the Black Live. There's thanks for having fun. me. Stand yeah,
3: The Stand.
1: The Stand. Stand, stand up. <laughs> And we'll be back here next week, Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Winner's Green Facebook page. Talk about more TV, movies, fantasy, sci-fi, whatever should come up. Thanks for watching, everybody out there, for commenting. We'll see you in a week's time. Bye-bye.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Fansighter. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between.